June 5, 2021. It's a Walk for Pedro show.
People show happy Saturday. Start off with John Coltrane by the numbers. You know if it's John Coltrane saying anything by the numbers, but you know he's having some fun. It's 1958, year after he quit dope. So, or maybe that's when they put it out, right? It's Prestige. Once he started getting known, all his recordings as a side mouse and shit uh, got put out. And then we had a uh, Pathetics. Interesting spelling. I love that. Hypocrite. Another interesting spell. And uh. Mick Goldwater, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, Brother Mick. And we got to thank Brother Grux for the connect. Yet another one. Thank you so much. Now, I want to uh, explore your journey through music, Mick. Please bring your earliest musical memory, recollection, or whatever. Remember, it's the Watt for Pedro show. There's no hard questions and no wrong answers. I think probably the one the thing I always think about that influenced me was listening to my dad bought a new hi-fi system and listening with headphones to my sister's copy of uh masters of reality black sabbath Black Sabbath. yeah and when i was like was like seven years old 
and just really l- deeply listening to it. Well, I remember really... when that record came out, this cat who turned me on to it, Dennis Alva, he had painted, this was something, it's early 70s, right? So, painted his whole room black, right? So the posters with the ultraviolet light, you know. Oh, sure, yeah. And I then the it. cover's kind of like that. Well, I remember the curious thing was that my sister didn't smoke cigarettes, but there was a mysterious burn mark on the Mota. record cover. <laughs> Uh, La but I remember, I remember listen, really liking the instrumental tracks on the uh, on the record. Oh, those little ones like Embryo and Orchid. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Just really kind of getting into those, and then I was kind of critical of the record too. I thought that um, I thought sometimes it was like, too Ozzy would do those. Oh yeah, like why does he have to do that? Oh, uh-huh. did you ever see him live? You know, he was like a cheerleader. He didn't stand in the middle like most singers. It was the guitar man's band. He would oh, like clap that. and like, uh, he would clap for solos and shit. He was like a cheerleader. I think he was a roadie guy who got asked to sing. And, you know, Geezer wrote the words. But I thought it was recorded too small. But I love the composition, especially in the void. That's a Yeah, journey. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's, the drumming. that's the one that really sticks in my mind. The Bill I think Ward that drumming. kind of influenced me to, that, that I realized that Okay, it doesn't just have to be, you know, bass, drums, guitar, but, you know, you could do some electronic thing. I think that, that that's the takeaway. I think I well, left an impression my whole life. Children at, of the Grave, it sounds like uh, somebody's running next to a picket fence with a stick. <laughs> yeah, there's so many little things on there. I have to listen to that again. Yeah, and remember to get the voice for... Uh, Oh, no, that's paranoid. To get the Iron Man voice, you have to sing through a fan. The, the, the intro one on, on that, that record's got the, the, the coffin for Sweet Leaf. Right. That's probably why your sister did that. Now, the pad you yeah. grew up in, was there musical instruments, Mick? Because I know you, you end up on bass. So, Geezer, is he an influence on you? Um, you know what? I think I was like, in, you know, when you get, get into junior high, you meet, you know, you get get to meet so many more people yeah. versus being in elementary school. Then when in seventh grade, I met some kids who, um, you know, became friends. And this one kid goes, yeah, I started playing, you know, you meet all these kids. Everybody wants to play guitar. Then this one guy, he was, when you say that, playing, make, you mean nobody bass. wants, nobody went, wants to rock hmm? the bass, right? That's what you're saying. Everyone wants to be on lead guitar. Everybody wanted to be on lead guitar, and, and then I met this friend who was a bass player, and I went over to his house, and his dad uh, bought him, actually, like a used uh, P-Bass, and um, it was like a 70, probably like a mid-70s, early 70s, and it was all like a maple neck, uh, natural body, and I would just hold that thing and just like look over every nook and cranny of that thing and just completely mesmerized by that. That uh, precision bass. No, and, did, um, did he have an amp? Uh, yeah, I think he had his dad. Dad bought him this like a uh, two fifteen like Sun cabinet, and maybe he had like a matching Sun tube head too. Coliseum or something. John Entwistle yeah. used those for a little bit. Uh, but but what about the pad you grew up in? Besides your sister's Black Sabbath record, was there other any? Because I learned from Michael yesterday, record uh, turntables are instruments also. But was there some musical instruments in your pad? No, my dad, no, not at all. Actually, there was my dad 
was like kind of a tinkerer and he got a used um, player piano that he was trying to repair. So I'd kind of goof around with that with him. That was kind of interesting. Well, that's Michael. Um, Michael's pop worked on him too, he said. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> Parallel universe. Yeah, that's funny. Because <laughs> yeah, I was talking to him about not just player piano, but they had whole fucking bands in those some of those things. Like drum sets. Oh and yeah, shit. like the band organ type one, or the, they have a little like snare drum. Yeah, right. Like and it's all run by holes in paper scrolls. You know, like the way some dudes do gigs <laughs> for laptop bands, right? But, yeah, there's a there's a kind of a contemporary guy who who makes does like um, player piano, but he kind of makes music that would be comp- piano music that would be completely impossible for a human to play. Oh yeah. Like, only, like kick only drum, a player. Uh, kick drum beats with uh, drum machines, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, a cacophony. It sounds like four people playing the piano at once. <laughs> no, but some of these kick drum patterns, right? You can. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 256 notes and shit like that. You know, <laughs> So, uh, what about school? Were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? No, in, in elementary school, I took, you know, I, wanted, I go, I want to play an instrument. And then, uh, for some reason, I was attracted to the um, the cornet. And, and then I took a music, uh, an aptitude test, because they only had a certain amount that they could give out free to the kids. And then if you wanted to be in the band and you didn't pass aptitude test, you would have to go rent your own. But I, I scored good enough to get, get a school instrument. Now, now, you learned to read and that kind of shit? Were you uh, marching at the football games? No, it was only only in, in elementary school did I okay. play an instrument. Then after that, it kind of took a hiatus. And then, Until you had that bass then, in your hands. Yeah. Yeah, then, yeah, getting that bass in my hands, then I got a hold of, a like, an old mid-60s Epiphone bass, and <clears throat> then I ended up making my own bass. And... Some of those are really good, man. There was one with, like, a Batman headstock. It was just like a Thunderbird in the mid-60s. This one had the two on each side kind of headstock, and I don't, I can't remember what, if it was long scale or not. It seemed pretty compact. And it well, had, like, they a, had both. They had both. Yeah. But then I ended up making my own bass for the pathetic. Wow! How? So many, you know, when you're, you know, when you're young, you just kind of wheel and deal, and people have like random parts laying around, and you know. Yeah, yeah, I, but you know, John Entwistle and his father built his first bass, but that he had help. I think well, the, the, okay, the guitar was, man to Queen was the same thing. His daddy helped him, but you went and you built your fucking own. How old were you? Uh, I was probably like. 13 i think but it was i it was a bunch of like random part it was like a silver tone like a 60s silver tone like semi hollow body single cutaway guitar body that had a big crack in it oh so you took parts you you salvaged parts from other guitars yeah and then i got somebody gave me like a magnum like a magnum bass neck that I had to grind down to fit it into the slot. And it was kind of crooked a little bit. But it played so good. Then I just, yeah, I, I took a trapeze tailpiece from an acoustic guitar and drilled four holes in it so the strings could be mounted. 
And then I kind of made made my own bridge. And then I had like a an old '60s pickup that would it was like a really thin pickup that would kind of just screw right on top of the body. <laughs> and then I just went to a straight to an output jack. I didn't have any. What about amp? There's amp. I finally somehow I scrounge up some money for this this kid who um, I think he was a year or two older than me. Yeah, and um, and he this is like in high school now, and he um, he was in his his rock band, and then he classic you know got his girlfriend pregnant and senior in high school, and then had to you know quit playing music, and I got this uh, one of those PV Mark three amps, you know that has like two channels with a zillion knobs and graphic EQ on them. I remember a little later, I had about 400, which was a 300 watt and it rocked to 215 bottom. Uh, you know, you first, out of the recycler, right? When you first. So, did you end up playing with guys with this setup, with this self made? Oh, base? yeah, because, you know, because what I quickly realized is that <clears throat> being a bass player and then down the street, I lived in, in Michigan, you, you know, you have basements. So you could just like jam all year long. Basement band. In the basement. Okay, yeah. Yeah, basement band. So then so then I was a bass player and then there was a friend of mine. And oh, you're in demand because everybody wants to rock the guitar. Yeah. 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 So it was a really funny period because there was a there was a drummer who lived down the street, <clears throat> Eddie, and then he brought his kid over. He was an older guy. So then he knew all these guitar player guys. So there was just like all these real character guitar player guys who wanted to come over and just weird Eddie and I were to the rhythm section and they just wanted to do, you know, Deep Purple and Robin Trower cover <laughs> covers. <laughs> but at least you're fucking playing. Whenever you play, you're getting ready. You're investing oh, in yeah. the next time. No, you it, was, play. it was tons of fun. It was tons of fun. <laughs> Look, I want to play. You gave me the, some more pathetics. We got we to gotta find out about the pathetics.
He runs up the stairs two at a time. His hand skims the banister. His small boots leave dirt. His mother calls from the kitchen, but he doesn't answer. He needs to find something in his room. The one thing that will prove to his friend he isn't a liar. He looks in plastic bins filled with action figures and trading cards, but it isn't there. He looks under the bed where he stuffs unfinished homework and soiled clothes he doesn't want his mother to find. He opens the closet door, and there's so much stuff. Boxes and suitcases rammed into piles. Outgrown coats. Cracked leather shoes. His father's old suits. Funeral clothes draped in tissue paper. That the act of looking becomes a mountain. house becomes a mountain house, craggy and peaked, damp and smelling of old leaves and metallic water. He is lost here. He needs a path out of this damp, dripping place, threaded with black streams that lead deep underground. He climbs and the way is steep, the earth loose and strung with thick roots. He finds a toehold on a boulder and drags himself onto a ledge. Breathless, he scrambles for a vantage, loses his balance and tips forward on sheer, glistening rocks.
Don't remember a thing about the ride. Lost track years ago.
Watch the Pedro show that chunk of music started with pathetics. I hate rockers, but not ones that do Robin Trower covers. <laughs> no, <laughs> pathetics ain't in the picture yet, right? This is still Michigan. And, and, uh, Jaded Azurite's brand new. A, a, an adult in his own house is also a child. Uh, SLW, CC Watt, Iowa City, POW. The Mirrored Ones, uh, Dubuque, both Iowa. Uh, Samsara, Rewind. John Duncan, Stefano Plea, uh, The Sellout, from their two-for record. Tim Wholehouse, Live, Broken Bones. Clank Quartet, brand new album from Scotty. Christian Mass, finally hand-sewn potker with Tragic Elevator. Back to Mick Goldwater. Uh, as, you know, learning music by being a rhythm section to older rock and rollers. In the basement. Yeah, that was that was a great experience. I mean, it was like Eddie. <clears throat> Eddie was a few years older. He knew some people, and they would just. It was a constant stream of um, like this, you know, guys bringing their amps in and just p- jamming for hours and hours. I uh, usually because usually the prac pad's going to be the drummer, so you don't have to keep tearing down <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, I don't think his his parents were down on. You know, having a bunch of random guys come over and jamming for hours. It was, it was a little looser at my house. Ah, so it was in your basement. It was in my basement. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, you need a copacetic hitch. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, did this band ever, did it get a name? Did it ever do gigs? Um, actually, I think we, we think we played like a, a graduate actually you know what yeah we we got oh i remember now <clears throat> actually we <clears throat> we got a, a guitar player a steady guitar player then we did a bunch of covers <clears throat> i don't think we had a name but we did like johnny thunder's covers and dead boys covers and stuff like that <clears throat> and uh we played like a one high school graduation party was it success I think so. I think a lot of people may be alienated by it. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't get hit with any batteries or <laughs> bricks. Or no. It was a pretty small affair. In the city, I got hit with batteries at a, a open up for Flipper at that place, the 10th Street Church. Uh, mm. Well, tell me about Pathetics. What, 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 what is the gap between uh, this no-name band and the Pathetics? Um, it pro- quickly, they kind of maybe overlapped. I think I was at a music store with, um, with the buddy who was an older guy who had a car, you know, I didn't, you know, I wasn't driving. I was still really young. And then, um, I was checking out basses at this, at the music store. And this guy goes, Hey, you play bass? And I went, yeah. And he goes, let me see. And, you know, I was like, do, 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 do. He goes, Hey, you want to join our band? So that's <laughs> when I joined. Wow. Just like that, huh? Fuck. Yeah, the guy was like, whoa, you can play. <clears throat> so that's how I joined the Pathetics. And, but luckily, let's see, I got somehow, you know, Mick, you, when you're you young, know about, younger, you Did you know about that? the Pathetics before you, you joined them? Um, I didn't know anything about them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then somehow I got a, 
I had that TV head. Oh, that TV head. And then I got a like an empty trainer bottom. Ron, Ron that, Ashton liked trainers. Yeah, but it was, it was like this really cool. It was like a folded horn 18. Inch oh, I remember those. <laughs> it was a cool cabinet, but it didn't have any speakers. So I went and got a Radio Shack 15 inch speaker and built like another mount and I to like stick this. over. I like this. Stick. If something comes up, you get to it, man, and you fucking manhandle yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I like this. Yeah, so I found like there was like a, a jigsaw in my garage. I don't, then I cut it out and. It then made a new plate to stick over the 15-inch speaker to go over the 18-inch, like, hole. Yeah, did it fire and, upward or a rearward or forward? Because of, Oh, no, it's a rear rear firing. Yeah, yeah, because they, what they do, they have it go through the chamber to get an extra octave. Yeah, they, it was, like, super bassy. It, <laughs> that thing was sounded so good. And then it sounded unique because I put a 15-inch instead of the 18-inch, so it had a real sweet sound to it also you had to change the hole that's why you had to put that piece yeah i had yeah, to put I like understand. a like it's got a piece of plywood and it's space i had like a i got a jigsaw and it's cut a hole out and right. it's kind of frankenstein it. put it together <laughs> well, you know just... adapter you know frankenstein that's where they got the title of that song because it was really 45 minutes they cut it all up and it turned into an am radio single with a drum solo a hit Look, what was it like playing with the Pathetics? Well, they were already, like, kind of had songs and already had, um, already playing out, but they had this really flaky bass player, and um, so he really wasn't into it, so they kind of got rid of him. And then I met the guitar player at a music store. Right, you And he saw, he saw me playing, playing, playing bass and goes, Hey, you want to be in a band? And I go, yeah, maybe let's see you play bass. And I was started grab the bass off the wall, started playing. And then he goes, yeah, he goes, here's my number, you know? So they're, they were, I was in high school and those guys were all in college. And, and so they're like, not copying songs, right? They're writing their own tunes. Oh no, it was all original material. Yeah. I think they did. I think they maybe had a couple funny Funny cover. I think they did. We did. Um, yeah, everybody climb, did that. Climb every mountain from the sound of music. <laughs> yeah. But it wouldn't look like a straight cover. You know, you're fucking. No, no, it was really fast. Do you remember your first pathetic? Nick, do you remember your first pathetics gig? Um, they were already they were already gigging. They had no your 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 first pathetics gig. Oh. My first Pathetics gig. Uh, they were kind of playing out. There was a place called Nunzios that we used to play a lot. Um, we were playing out a lot. Like maybe like a couple times a yeah, week. Yeah, but I want to sometimes. know about the first one. <sighs> I, you know what? I don't remember okay, that. Okay, that's okay. I remember. What's your favorite gig? What's your favorite gig that you did with the Pathetics? Uh, jeez, I don't know. We were kind of like a house band at this place called Nunzios, and um, we just would play there. Sometimes we play. We sometimes we were playing like three times a week. That's <laughs> or or bookies. You know the famous bookies club in Detroit. We'd play there. So it was like Nunzios, bookies. 
Yeah, we were playing a lot. Tracks. Tracks. <laughs> Do you remember oh, yeah, that tracks. place? <laughs> yeah, I played, played some shows there. I was in other punk bands after that and played played Tracks. Well, we'll, we'll get more to it because we run out of time. First hour, June 5, 2021. Special guest, Mick Goldwater. Hold tight for hour two. June 5, 2021. Second hour, Watt for Pedro Show.
fallen short of the glory of God. The hatred which divides nation from nation, race from race, class from class. Father, forgive. The covetous desires of people and nations to possess what is not their own. Father, forgive. The greed, which exploits the work of human hands and lays waste the earth. Father, forgive. Our envy of the welfare and happiness of others. Father, forgive. Our indifference to the plight of the imprisoned, the homeless, the refugee. Father, forgive. The lust, which dishonors the bodies of men, women, and children. Father, forgive. The pride which leads us to trust in ourselves and not in God. Father, forgive.
Pedro Show started the second hour off with the Heresy. Morning after, then Ben Salter out Tasmania with defeat. Lucas Sabella from nearby Sydney. Foggy Boogie. Some boogie for your fog hat and your Savoy Brown. <laughs> Matt Nelson. There's some bass guitar for you. Judge Judy. Heinbach. Forgive. Bombas Prendon. Churning through silkworms. Manuel Amito with Silo Up for Grabs. And finally, the Heresy, Betrayed Generation. Now, the Heresy is your band. Yeah, that's a band I kind of started after, you know, after the Pathetics. Pathetics were kind of, um, they were older guys. And um, they they were in college. And so that was like pre, pre-hardcore. Pre-necros. Well, pre, it was pretty hardcore as, as far as, you know, Detroit goes, you know. You know, I had a guy but, on the show last month, Otto Booz, who made a whole documentary on this uh, little scene that lasted maybe six months or something. And John, uh, the singer of Negative Approach, is big time. And so is Ian McKay. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And well, it, actually, I saw J- John Brandon, his band, before he was in Negative Approach. It was called uh, Static, and okay. they were kind of a more like kind of a late seventies. Yeah, yeah, because he, he liked uh, Stooges and Alice Cooper. Oh, yeah, yeah he's a yeah, he's not was... these kids. He's got uh, hardcore is more like kids, and John's more like our age or something. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So tell me about the first uh, you. Put, what was it like to put together your own band? Um, yeah, I think I was had. Well, that came a little later. I, I was always like a replacement bass player for the longest time. First, it was the um, the Pathetics, and then <clears throat> um, that that kind of. Well, I was like, I was really young. All those guys were, I was still in like high school and all the other guys were in college. And, um, and then the singer and, you know, the classic, the guy gets his girlfriend pregnant and, you know, has to get a job. And so the band, that band kind of fell apart. But the one guitar player and I, we, we kind of continued on with like the drummer and, um, we kind of did our own thing. We started that started getting more like a kind of a hardcore, but more like more like jazz influence. Well, like these tunes you know, I played, "Betrayed Generation," "Morning After." Did you write those songs? Yeah, that no. So yeah, so that was that was Heresy. Yeah, that that's was, that's what I'm asking you about the Heresy because that's the band you started. I, I know about Pathetics now. But I want to learn okay, about the yeah. heresy. Yeah, so heresy. Yeah, I wanted to start like a you know like a really heavy band, and um, yeah, I wrote up wrote that stuff. And there was a a drummer who 
who and an older guy who kind of lived near me, he ended up joining joining the band. Um, so, so we we were kind of like from the same neighborhood, so we kind of had like a lot of the same interests. So, so the guitar and drums, you know, that section of the band was, you know, kind of like the main part. And then you know, with the songwriting too. Now were those for, Heres- for, for Heresy? Yeah. For Heresy. Now were those songs you wrote in Heresy your first songs ever that you wrote? Um. Yeah. I, when I was in that band, The Pathetics, when I was really young, I was like fifteen, sixteen. I didn't write any music. Right. Right. It was, it was their band. I was a re- I was a replacement. Yeah. Bass I understand player, that. I understand that. Okay. You told me uh, the next is Allied. So let's let's listen to some allied
you, John.
Watch for Pedro show. Allied with Leave My Life Alone. And then Slang from Hokkaido with Air Raid Days. Born Shit Stirs. This machine kills cock block blockers. If you listen real careful, you can hear a little bit of mind bass from me. These guys asked me to play on this song. It's with the split. Their buddies are on the other side. Led Zepp, Viet Cong with Liquored Up. I think, I think they're Gaijin. Foreigners living in Japan. And Victoria Shen after that with War Machine Online Noise Festival from live October 17, 2020. Finally allied into the 80s. So this must have been early 80s. Yeah. After we recorded, the Allied recorded in Chicago with uh, John Kensney from the Effigies. That's where the City Lights was. I think it was in <laughs> Chicago because we played with the Effigies of Black <laughs> Oh, my memories are terrible. I, now, looking at the pictures, uh, were you guys into, like, uh, exploited? Well, maybe not them, but... Uh, what was it, was it a crass or a GBA? Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, yeah, we're into like this British punk mainly. You know, it was kind of like what, like liberty things with the hair, right? Yeah, and I was studs like, on like the, the jacket. Spiky punk, and then the other guys were more into. There was kind of like a with the Allied. It was kind of more like like a oi influence too. Okay, an oi punk. Okay, <laughs> you know. John talks about that in that documentary, how he thought the hardcore scene in Detroit got ruined by guys trying to copy skinhead bands from over there. I don't think we were like the only, we didn't try to. No, you weren't skinheads though. You guys had more of the spike in the studs on your coats. I'm just looking at the pictures you flowed me. Yeah. And like a cover of a fanzine and stuff like that. So what was, can you remember the first Allied gig? Um, the first, you know, I was like the replacement bass player. Oh, so okay. that was a big, that was a big part of my music, um, career starting out. I was always like the replacement bass player, like with the pathetics, I was a replacement bass player with the allied. I was a replacement bass player. And then later on, I kind of started my own band um, they kind of overlapped. Okay. At the same time, I was in the Allied, and uh, and that band was called Heresy. Right, right. We already played some of that. So the, the, and we played some Allied too. So, did you write any songs in the Allied? Um, no, those guys. The, <clears throat> they had all the material already, already at, at hand. Um, <clears throat> I was a replacement bass player and. It was an interesting thing with the Allied was the guitar player Pete, who was in the Allied, was the original guitar player with Negative Approach. Ah, John's band. Yeah, and he was like childhood friends with John. They lived in like down the street from each other. Yeah, John, a great cat. One time the, he let the Minutemen conk at his pad, and uh, he gave us a poster of the Three Stooges to put in the back window of the boat. <laughs> and, <laughs> He kept talking about this parrot on the coffee table, and we couldn't see the parrot. <laughs> but we didn't say anything. We just kept drinking. <laughs> anyway, how long do you play in the Allied? Um, <clears throat> let's see, the timeline. 
Gee, I don't, you know, it was kind of like, um, so it was, I had that band, The Pathetics, and then it was The Allied, and then I had this band called Heresy, which was more of like, kind of a hardcore, like kind of a, more of like this universal kind of discharged influence kind discharge. of band. That's the band I was trying to think of, Discharge. And there was another one too, but I think these were U.S. guys, Crucifix. Oh yeah, they were they were from San Francisco. They were in the there. city, right? Yeah, yeah. When do you get to the city? When do you leave Michigan? Uh, in '89. Okay. So it was yeah, still, there it's there still more much, There wasn't much happening in in Michigan at the, at that at that time. And then I had a I had a son. Uh, he he's born in '85. So right when I got out of high school, I had a, had a kid. Oh, we're at the end of the second hour, June 5, 2021. Dish Watt, Peter, so special guest, Mick Goldwater. Hold tight for hour two. June 5, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Not For Pedro show. Start off the third hour with HDRNG, guitar duet. And uh, it's, it's kind of mysterious. <laughs> Mike Rignetta after that with Untitled, <laughs> but then parenthesis he puts for Lou. So it actually is titled. And Bullshit Detector with Airport Waves. Now, 1989, 1985, you have a son, Michigan. Correct. 1989, you come west as far as the land goes. I-80 ends in the city. So do, do you start doing music as soon as you get? Um, yeah, I think I kind of, well, there was so much like live music and, you know, then great record stores, things I did not have in back in Detroit. Um, I think eventually kind of cobbled together some equipment and then, um, joined some, you know, when you're a bass player, you can just, you're just kind of like, you kind of, you can jump into an already established band. Yeah. So that's what I did when uh, when I arrived to uh, to San Francisco. And who did you first play with? Um, this guy it was like a three piece, and um, the, actually there was a label, there was a seven inch that, that was put out. Um, I don't even have a copy of it. I played on, but I was just kind of a replacement bass player in that band. It wasn't anything real significant. What were they called? Um, four point star or something like that. <laughs> it, it kind of sounded like Mission of Burma, kind of. Okay, it was, okay. It was kind of a big departure from what I was. Oh, you played doing like Clint, uh, Clint Connolly? Is that his name? Yeah, Clint Connolly. Uh, good baseman. Uh, what happened after? Did you did you start your own bands? Well, I, well, back in Detroit after. No, no, no. I'm talking about out west here. Um, no, it was kind of like a kind of infrequent thing. I mean, there was so much like good music going on. Sure. sure. Um, that, you know, I was just like, you know, going out, collecting records, listening to stuff. Um, it well, had a brief, can, can, brief can I period. Ask you, can I ask you when you met Grux? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I had a, moved into a warehouse, had an opportunity to move into a warehouse and then. Somehow one of the, some of the people who lived there knew him and then he wanted to come get involved and try to do some things there with like, try to do Carolina gigs in the warehouse. And um, so that's how I met him. And then, then we started, we started goofing around together and, um, and then he already had this like other, he had multiple bands at that point. <clears throat> and then, um, so, so with rubber o cement, there was a um, it went through a couple different lineups, but then it kind of solidified with he and I, and then it was an, another infrequent guy in the group. But finally, it just became like stripped down. He and I, this this uh, Grux and I. Okay, I want to play. You gave me a, or your buddy gave me. Three rubber o cement tunes, so let's listen. Oh. 
Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Started the chunk off with Rubber O Cement doing 2020 Vision with two S's. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sigoti, Hurricanes of Distortion, three three Tuscans and Tullam. Rubber O Cement after that with Track 10, which probably ain't its real name, is just CD. <laughs> And then Troopa Troop out of Danzig, Poland, with Another Day. Finally, track 11. Probably not its real title. Rubber O Cement. What was the first Rubber O Cement? You know what? I might have done a gig with him that he called Rubber O Cement here in SoCal. And it was because you sent me a picture of these two trippy-ass bases that have big, they're mounted on rails. I played one of those with him. I tried to. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. I remember that gig. Yeah. Oh, were you there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, were you playing with us? Well, yeah. I, 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 I built the bases. Uh, okay, okay. Because I, I have very. <laughs> I know about Rainbow Carolina a little bit, and we even did gigs with them in the old days. But I didn't know anything about Rubber O Cement, and it, the whole thing was a trip. I was really glad to be part of it. That was such a trippy gig. It was. <laughs> One of the most awkward things I did, you know, I like to play every Halloween with a costume on it. It was sort of like doing that. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. Yeah, you're like, remember we given gave you the bass and the costume. You're like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, there was no ego involved or anything. I just I wanted to do good for you guys, and I I didn't exactly know what to do. But then it was just be yourself, you know, or, or deal with this sitch. Uh, what about the first time you played with uh, Grux, Rubber O Cement? Well, he, you know, I kind of, we had some mutual friends and, you know, he's such a, you know, a character, yeah. really unique person. And I think maybe it was somebody who was having, you know, people were coming over to eat food or something like that. And then we we're just kind of like hanging out and we we're talking about music. And, and then then somehow, I don't know, somehow we end up make, coming up with some kind of arrangement to start playing together. 
And um, I think that was like the beginning of like another version of rubber cement. So you're saying it's kind of organic thing. It's about people, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's about people. And like, like, you know, sharing this interest and like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. That's the greatest thing in the world. Fuck. And that's what art's about really. Music part of that. So what are you right doing? What are you doing right now? Michael musically? Um, everything's kind of like on hiatus right now, but there's, um, another guy I play with, uh, infrequently. Um, I think there might be some tracks on there that, that we sent you. Um, and, uh, yeah, rubber oil cement still doing stuff. Do you do the and, thing uh, like, uh, use the internet to trade files? No, I don't do that. So you got to be in the room with the dude to fucking make music, right? Yeah, we, we just, yeah, you know, usually recording is like, you know, set things up. All right, get some stuff down and then he runs off and we'll edit it and slice and dice it. Can I, you, you're still working the bass, though, right? You built those basses that, that when I played. Uh, did you ever get into five string, six string, that kind of stuff? No, that, well, bass was my first instrument when I was in Detroit with uh, the sure. Pathetics, and because everybody wanted to play play guitar, so I thought, well, if I play bass, yeah. I probably have more ch more chance to play with people. So I was kind of like at an early age, I was kind of like in demand with with uh, playing with people. No, I understand that, but what about this idea of five string bass, six string bass, seven string bass? Are you into that? Um, I don't, I never played, I kind of goofed around with them at, um, music store. Actually, the one I really thought was really cool was the, um, the eight string bass. <laughs> uh, Mick, it'd be great to have you on the show and as a fellow bass player, I had to ask you a question like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, people, it's been June 5, 2021 dish of Wap Pedro show. Keep your powder dry.